Hello and welcome to The Trumpet, the official podcast of Elephant Room Productions. As always, I am your host, Robert Jean Pelleccio, and if you are watching this episode this month, you may notice something very different about me. Um, I'm going to cut the joke I did in the original take of this and just point out my hair is teal, and I'm really happy with it. Um, this will be staying for a little bit, um, but I just wanted to try something different. Anyway, um, more importantly, back to Elephant Room Productions. Uh, we are back with another fun-filled episode, and this month we are talking to our July playwright, SMJ. SMJ, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, so in a little bit, we're going to be talking about their piece, Sway, which was our July uh, featured play of the month. Uh, but before we jump into Sway, I'd like to uh, turn it over to you, SMJ, and uh, give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit about your theater background. Yeah, so uh, I currently live in New York City. Uh, I'm a mixed race, uh, mixed race, uh, non-binary trans playwright mime and theater educator in the city now i live with my partner who where we met in college um giving us giving you all the background there uh i'm originally from a small town called mount vernon ohio um that uh i don't know it seems like every theater person like every other third theater person you see in uh, new york is from ohio and probably some sort of small town with a big dream um where i grew up theater was like sort of this thing that um people did in the community um i was lucky in that way that that was happening um my personal and familial life um was not super great uh i was living way below the poverty line um my parents were having issues it was me and my brother there's there's also just a lot of like stuff we could go into later um but that sort of fueled me to like take on theater because it felt like a safe space uh, and a brave space for me to express myself. Um, I thought I always wanted to be an actor, um, but I should have seen the writing all along when like freshman year, I wrote this like stupid little play about, um, about it was called the average high school play. It was the first play I wrote. And it's about all these stereotypes of all these kids in my, like <laughs> in my life. And then, um, I got really into producing and directing uh, other students in my community. And then I was going to go to NYU uh, for uh, directing. Um, but I was, if I didn't know I was poor, uh, I found out pretty severely like a month before I was supposed to go to NYU that I was very, very much poor um, and should have never even went down that avenue let's just say um so i ended up at otterbein university as a ba in theater um and then really got back into acting again i was like i want to be an actor so they let me audition i became a bfa in acting uh, i got a minor in dance and then i also found my way to the eugene o'neill theater center um as a student in 2015 in their theater makers program um and then since then like my like trajectory has been odd <laughs> like just strange um i was homeless for a time i, I, I can't yeah. speak at all to having strange theater trajectories yeah so <laughs> yeah i was homeless for a time in brooklyn i lived in a church um to do my internship uh to complete my degree at otterbein because i had no money um so there was a church that uh, an alum had a connection with and so i lived in this rectory for eight months 
um, quietly like thinking of, that I'm trans. So I had to pretend to be like a boy um, in order to stay in this rectory. Um, then I moved to Connecticut to do an apprenticeship at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center, um, which that is a hot button topic right now. Um, but I did the apprenticeship working with the NTI program, came back to New York, and then it's been in and out doing education and uh, playwriting. But I've fully pivoted to playwriting. That's what I love to do. Um, saw my profile sort of like gl glow up a little bit over the pandemic. Um, which is a very odd sentence to say. Uh, still, it, it seems like that but, is the trajectory of a lot of playwrights. I, yeah, we got you know we had there almost seems to be an abundance of energy and creativity that came out of this you know forced pause of our lives. Yeah, you know it's like, and for me like my dad died right at the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> um, before. Uh, all the shutdowns and stuff. And it was like a week before it was like two weeks before my first like uh, workshop production of a play in space with an audience. Um, so my like career has been tied exclusively to like these traumatic uh, events and needing to overcome those things uh, just until I think just recently is the first like, couple bits of opportunities that have come where uh, something very heavy has not happened <laughs> before. So <laughs> it's nice to have that. Um, right. So I'm a very trauma informed playwright. Um, I think as we all are, um, but yeah, that's a little bit, there's a lot more. I'm all about education. Education is my most uh, important thing besides playwriting. I think having I'm very, uh, very passionate on that front. Yeah. I teach a lot with a public school, um, high school students in ohio um yeah I've, i believe access to good uh theater and affordable theater education um is important especially for those students that are at risk um so that's that's what i love to do i'm i'm, I'm here trying to like change a little bit of the theater <laughs> for the better um but we'll see <laughs> It's my goal. Yeah, I mean that's 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 been a little bit of my uh, experience as well with my um, you know theater education journey because we have uh, a lot of students who you know view our theater as a very safe space um, and a place where they can be themselves when they otherwise would not have had the confidence to do so otherwise. So it's I yeah. it's a very very emotional journey that I go on with some of these students, uh, and I'm very glad to be a part of that. Yeah, um, you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it. I was just agreeing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was gonna. Um, I was gonna kind of backtrack a little bit because you did. Uh, kind of uh, get in tune with one of my follow-up questions to your playwriting journey is the other hats that you wear. Obviously, now uh, you've said you've kind of landed on um, playwriting, but can you? I always think it's very fascinating to talk to actors who are play or playwrights who are actors, playwrights who are directors. Um, and see, especially the ones who consistently shuffle those hats. Um, do you still dip into those other areas at all? Mm -hmm. um, and even if you don't, what about having that other experience in those other areas has informed your playwriting? Yeah. So I stopped acting because uh, the end of my time in my BFA program uh, was not safe uh, for me. Um, 
as a person who was trying to express my transness, um, but unsure of the words or the way to explain that to people um, and their reaction to the faculty for that. Um, also had how fat phobic my particular program was and it just wasn't serving me. So I don't really act anymore uh, in the traditional sense. It doesn't serve me um, the way that it did. Uh, I love being at of service to folks, creating things for folks to do, or um, facil facilitating spaces for things for people to do things. Um, I just no longer have the fire to be like in front of an audience uh, right. in that way. However, I'm a professional mime, and uh, if that comes up. Uh, I've even said it myself, I would rather be in an ensemble of people where I'm teaching the ensemble, everything. I highlight them. And then I, as the, you know, the mime with 13 years, like I'm the supportive role. Um, Cause I re I really don't like. Right. I, I don't like it. It's also bot a crippling body dysmorphia. It's like, I don't want this body on display too much. However, I... if it's in the supportive role. I'm a okay with that. And I direct and I now use my mime also as like movement coaching. Um, so speaking directly into my soul about yeah. many of my own uh, issues and passions. Yeah. I just, it like, yeah, I think also like not to get too tangential, but the BFA business mm -hmm. sucks. <laughs> Sorry. <bleep laughs> that. But like, um, the, it, it's already catering to an environment where only the richest people with the money right. can do it. And the kids who are just as talented, um, predominantly who are um, black, indigenous, or people of color, um, or trans kids, or at-risk or homeless uh, children who have a passion for it, same amount of talent, but didn't have the money to invest in all these mm -hmm. high school training programs um yeah. like you know the cherubs or the uh other programs that are out there or were out there um then they you know they slide right into a bfa program they don't have to take on any debt um they don't get condescending um financial aid surveys every semester yeah. saying are you really this poor which i had to do every single year i was at school um so yeah, it really killed my vibe on the acting thing. <laughs> However, all my acting friends, my partner is an actor. Like I support them, I love them. Of course, I'm a playwright. I only can exist without. I can't exist without them. So, I love the people who are able to have that fire. Just not for me, and that's okay. I totally understand, and I mean, it's just it's nice that you have found what your passion is. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you have, as far as my. Uh, interviewing this goes uh you, you know although these are some heavy topics you've made this the first part of this interview very easy because um i i i feel kind of silly asking a non-binary trans mixed race uh lgbt playwright uh who suffers from the issues you've had what sets you apart from other playwrights uh, <laughs> um i mean like my big thing is like I am try and I'm getting better about it. I'm working with my uh, mentor Josh Wilder a lot. Josh Wilder is a black playwright based out of LA. 
um, has been to the O'Neill Festival, has done all these things um, with his career, um, took me under his wing a little bit. And like this year, I've really like started honing it on my voice. Like the thing is, like I was I'm not supposed to be in this position. I shouldn't have made it out of my hometown. And I'm not 100 percent sure what exactly that means. Like if that means like I'm still living there or I'm not living period. And that's something that I've like come to grips with my, you know, through therapy at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, like every step of the way, things have been put up. Right. And I'm all about trying to tear those things down. So when the pandemic happened, I was like, great. I had a, I had a workshop production of um, a play I wrote about uh, based on power Rangers and uh, it was supposed to be an in-person workshop September 2019. Oof. Things fell through um, monetarily producer-wise. So then that got shelved. And then once the pandemic hit, me and the director were like, why not just pivot it to the online base, right? So we did this online workshop of a play that should be on stage because it's all like combat, <laughs> essentially. But how do we focus on the text of that um, and advise as many people as possible? And at the early stages of the pandemic, we had 200 people show up to this like random thing uh, with no producer behind it, still able to pay actors for their week of work. Not what I would want them to, but at least being able to put something in their pockets because I'm also a young person. So I, I'm trying to get my pockets laid too. I understand. But um figuring out ways to adapt to this medium. Me and my friend, Henry Sudi, who I can't say enough wonderful things about. Like recently we just got a commission from this theater out in LA um, to make a game using Among Us, a, a play using Among <laughs> Us as the basis. My um, which, partner would probably be very on board with that. Yeah, he, it's He fantastic. played a lot of Among Us during the pandemic. Yeah, and my thing is like, I, I just want to create stuff uh, for people like me, um, I want to eliminate as many barriers as possible, especially financially. Um, I want to, I want to create stuff that like no one's thinking about right now. That's why I wrote Sway. Sway came from like I just saw this thing and I was like, no one's writing this play. I'll write this play. Um, I'm creating another play with eight other collab with uh, nine other collaborators. Um, a that's a podcast, a radio drama, and a play that's about uh, the media's interpretation, uh, the media's influence on LGBTQIA and or uh, Black, Indigenous, or people of color bodies, our specific bodies, and a devised right. play around that. Um, yeah, I just like, I'm just drawn to trying weird shit because I wasn't trained in playwriting. Like, it took no classes right. in playwriting. Um, but and I always think that's fascinating too, just seeing how yeah. people have forged their own paths. And I also think it's really interesting. I'm about a, year, a little over a year ago, um, kind of right at the beginning of the pandemic, I did a uh, I did an episode of the show uh, where we talked with um, two very close colleagues and friends of mine who uh, had just started running a theater in uh, Maryland and a playwright we've worked with. Um, and we talked about kind of the benefits, the pros and cons of streaming theater, which is something I had wanted to talk about prior. And then when the pandemic that could not allow people in the same room together happened and people leaned on that more, it became a very appropriate time for that topic. And we, I think we raised some pretty good points about like, you know, how it differs from live theater, 
when it works, when it does not work. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm, I kind of have plans now that we're knock on. I don't know if this is wood. It's from Ikea, but whatever is in front of me, yeah, I'm knocking on it. That. Yeah. Um, knock on this. We are, at least in this country, seeming to be at the tail end of this. Um, I would like to restart that conversation and kind of ask, you know, I'm going to devote an episode to looking back at those pros and cons and saying what forms of digital pandemic streaming, whatever theater are things that might actually be worthwhile to carry on after yeah. the pandemic because of the different challenges it grants us, the different forms of storytelling it grants us and which, uh, which, uh failed attempts should be left in covid yeah. land <laughs> i mean this may be a hot take for me i'm all about the hot takes um is that light it up the only bad part about digital theater whatever the heck people want to call mm -hmm. it is that people rushed it so they could make more money off of people that's it yeah that's like fair. The, the bad yeah. the bad digital theater that is like exclusively from folks to take money mm -hmm. bad like barely rehearsed readings just make them close. Like the good thing of, that I took away from it is that mm -hmm. it was a development time where me and collaborate, like literally um, the play that I was talking about the device piece um, at the time, at one point in that rehearsal process, we had a person in Hawaii, Chicago, uh, Washington, uh, Oregon, um, Ohio, Alabama, Connecticut, and the rest of us were in New York. And the fact that we were able to put that together <laughs> um, <laughs> at a relatively low cost and still make it affordable for people to come and make and try to find ways to make it financially viable, I think is um, the problem is if any sort of streaming stuff goes away, we've completely I think we've completely lost the the point. The point that this showed me uh, throughout this year, is that theater has been long, uh, too long has been this like, it's this special little thing that only like the special few. Like, I, I've even like heard language uh, akin to this, like that we are chosen by God to deliver this message about, <laughs> uh, you know, that we, that we're doing God's work, you know, like this is a sacred space of people and it's for the people. And like, which people, you know, which people? Is it rich white people? Because that's the majority of the people who can afford it in New York City. And, yeah, and um, it's a, that's everywhere. unfortunately a conversation that has been going yeah. on well before. Uh, and I know, <laughs> but I mean, like, now we're at the reckoning, right? This is the reckoning. Right. Like, we, like, the us people have the ability to actively change the conversation around who's the, what theater gets made, where theater gets made. And how do we access that? Like the fact that like I started seeing plays on Twitch, perfect. Video games are the perfect model for plays. I yeah. will die on that hill. Like if I could find a way to like do Life is Strange, strip all the audio out of it and still figure out a way to make a play around that. That's like yeah. one of my dream goals in the future. It's like to figure out how can I recontextualize an entire game with the studio's permission, I must say before I get sued um yeah. <laughs> you know right like with the studio's permission yeah it's like with the studio's permission to recontextualize the entire game in a way that it creates an another experience right. um 
it's like theater i mean film and video game content has figured it out and theater is just not figuring it out but then there's pullback from people who are like this isn't real and i'm like it's not real to you but it can be very much real like my my family this like uh, one of the readings uh, the power rangers reading back in may of 2020 was the Which, first by the way time. you do need to get to me at some point if you can yeah, i would love cool. to. <laughs> i mean it's getting, a full, it's getting a full rewrite right now i had a really great uh Fair. talk with Fair. the dramaturg and it needs to be gutted and that's yeah. good um but but go ahead go ahead i apologize no you're good I, it's like that's the first play that like anyone from my family was able to see besides one family member a month before the pandemic shut down everything. So it's like that access is, it's impossible to get anywhere else. And the fact to, and if we limit access, uh, then theater dies. (laughs) Like it just does. I think, but that's me. I've now talked for like five minutes on that. And I apologize to the listeners who are like, who's this person who has no, No, that's totally fine. I, I just, uh, I feel bad because I, I, I've been unwilling to derail this conversation because I've been enjoying it so much uh, to actually sway to sway. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, um, but I, yeah, but I, yeah, I do want to touch on that because that is, uh, uh, that is why, that is what uh, formed our relationship. Um, so would you be willing to give a little description of uh, what sway is about? Um and then we'll listen to slash watch if you're watching this episode a scene. Yeah, I'm sure that we'll touch base on how it came about, but uh, let me try to put it in the most layman's terms. So Sway is about three social media influencers who are picked for an exclusive retreat at the spawn at a newly constructed spawn ranch um, with a very popular. Uh, reality TV star slash social media influencer named Charlie. Um, when they get there, uh, things aren't as they seem. It's like Fire Fest. No, Fire Festival. Oh my God, I just did like a pro wrestling thing. Fire Festival um, meets Helter Skelter, if you've read that book. Um, so things slowly deteriorate. And then also the music of Poppy starts playing as we uh, investigate um, people's extreme need for connection in the high time of social media influencing. All right. Well, we, why can't I see myself? There I am. (laughs) Um, All right. Thank you very much, SMJ. We are going to uh, switch to a clip from Sway from our uh, most recent reading. Uh, when we get back, we will talk a little bit more about the influences behind it. Day two. Shay naps in their bed. The door unlocks and Paige races to the shower. Tegan, sitting on the bar, searches through their basket. They find crackers and happily eat. The temptation of their phone overwhelms them and they grab it, just to check. They get a notification from an Instagram DM. They read it, they send a message, they wait. Another notification, they read it, they send a message, they wait. Another notification, they read it, they send a message. Another notification, they read, they receive a $300 Venmo payment. They kick off their shoes, 
thrust their legs out in front of them on the bar and pose their feet. They snap a photo. Terrible. They pose again. They snap a photo. Better. They strike a new pose and take a photo. They open their DMs and send the two photos. They get a notification for a Facebook message. They read it. They send a message. They wait. Another notification. They read it. They send a message. They reread it. They send another message. Another notification. They receive a $400 Venmo payment. They grab crackers from their basket and crush them with their feet, taking photos. Shay wakes up. Did you take my kombucha, Shay? Huh? Did you take my kombucha? No. Shay looks into their basket. Tegan puts their phone back into the container and cleans their feet. What flavor was it? Why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell me? Mine's missing too, Tegan. Why would I drink your kombucha? Why would I drink yours? You couldn't sleep. You started walking around. You got thirsty. It was dark. You grabbed the nearest kombucha. You drank my gingerberry kombucha. I drink ginger aid. It did have a berryish taste. I knew it! But my ginger aid! <laughs> Paige probably drank it. I'll just take theirs and we'll be even. Tegan takes Paige's kombucha. Shay journals on their bed. What's that? A gratitude journal. Those things are weird. <laughs> it's good to be grateful. Sure. I like to remember what I have and thank the people who helped me get here. It's comforting and it keeps me from getting a big head. That's a weird thing. You've never heard of that? The, it's an overblown sense of self-worth? Of self -worth? I don't have to worry about that. I'm grounded. You say that in captions. And I mean it. Honesty equals money. The more honest you are, the more money you get. So I'm always honest. Even with all your sponsorship deals? Especially with all of my deals. How about sugar bear hair? I mean, that shit made my hair fall out. Yeah, well, products don't succeed all the time. My dad told me I always will. Always succeed? Yeah. Is that something you want to talk about? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, um... Sometimes I just have these moments where I remember a random thing he'd, and he'd say, and it's sad for a moment, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay. People tell me that I'm a success, like a ton of people. So that means that it's true. That's statistical evidence of that being true. There are many ways to measure success. It's important that people tell me that I'm successful. I could tell myself how successful I am or write long lists of my accolades, but that make me look like a jerk. I feel good when people tell me I'm successful because it means I've made an impact. I'll be remembered. Not just remembered in my family, but like culturally. I've achieved the American dream. 
I get opportunities like this. How much money do you make? What? How much money do you make? That's a really personal question. You ask me if I'm honest when I talk about my sponsorships. That's pretty fucking personal. How honest you are is an opinion. How much money you make is a fact. You're trying to compare because you want to feel like... Like what? Like you're better than me? I just want to know. So... I'm not comfortable telling you. Are you uncomfortable because you don't make as much as you want to? Or are you intimidated by me because I have 10 times the number of followers that you have? If it's the first thing, I have an, I have an option that'll help you fill the gaps between paychecks. Let me see your feet. Um, what? You can sell feet pics. Uh... <laughs> don't fetish shame people. I just made $700 in two minutes. Cool, but why are you sexily crushing crackers? Some people are into photos where something is being dominated. I'm providing a service to people who pay me money. I keep my, my anonymity and my boundaries. Honestly, it's really empowering. So some dude just messages you. A person contacts you through the profile you set up. They ask, you set a price never go lower than $75 per foot, per foot, per picture. They pay before you send anything. Then pose, take, and send. There's a lot of nuance and tips, but I'm giving you a little appetizer to the wonderful entree that is selling feet pics. That reminds me, feet pictures with food go for more because you have to buy some props and clean up after. So I charge a fee for both. Take off your shoes. Why? I can give you a quote on your feet and let you know where you stand in the industry. Oh my God, enough about my feet. Shay, you're new. You need help, followers, and money to keep building your honestly really small base. <laughs> I run a website for the best feet. I can get you a ton of money, and I guarantee you that more followers will come out of it. Just think about it, okay? Tegan gets a $200 Venmo payment. $200 just came in. If you want to get started, I'll let you have this one. Paige races into the cafe. The door locks. Tegan puts their phone away. Do we have any idea where Charlie is? No. Maybe she's lost in the desert. She organized the retreat. The ranch is pretty far away from everything. I'd be lost. I'm so excited to meet her. I went to one of her lectures at UCLA. Changed my life. That's cute, but I shook her hand once. Really? Oh my god, it was magical. Her hand was so smooth. Shay, how do you know about Charlie? Uh, her book helped me get my job and helped me how to figure out how to start processing everything with my dad. So I felt like I needed to meet her. Paige checks their phone. The radio clicks on. Woman, I have no mercy for you. Shay turns off the radio. Paige puts their phone away. 
we're gonna ask about the radio right it's so weird do you think this place is haunted because oh my god if it is that'll be great content there is a knock on the door the door unlocks charlie opens it hello hi hi it's so good to meet you can i come in of course please Charlie enters, takes a deep breath, and smiles. Hi, I'm Tegan. I'm at Tegan without a Sarah. Hi, at Page 2K. At Hey, it's Shay. It's so wonderful to meet all of you, but please use your real names. I'm sorry, my name's Paige. My name is Shay. Tegan, you shook my hand once. Wonderful. I'm so sorry that I'm late. The shooting schedule for the Kardashians has been crazy, but I'm so excited to share this piece with all of you. Join me on the ground, please. Everyone sits in a circle. As we know, our personalities, our presence online is a brand. People invest in it. Some people will try to tear you down, but your time is way too valuable to be wasting on people that can't accept who you are. Shay raises their hand. Yes, Shay. I've heard people describe influencing as the performance of an attractive life. Yes, but real. You just blow it up a little, you just blow it up a little bit to turn it from great to great. Paige, what's your brand? Um, I would say my brand is, um, I just mean, well, kind of like, it's the lifestyle that I want to live, so positivity um okay tegan health wellness and honestly just like positivity that sounds nice i like positivity as long as there's hate in your heart there'll be hate in the world what about you shay i'm i'm not sure i i just started posting to update my family and friends about stuff and then all of a sudden Ariana Grande started sharing my story, and the next thing I knew, there were like 42,000 new followers, and I'm scrambling to keep them. You've come to the right place. I'm taking you personally under my wing. Wow. We will make sure you get everything you need to be successful. That, that's incredible. Thank you, thank you so much. Of course. I'd love to hear what everyone wants to get out of this week, so I can be a really helpful mentor to you all. Does anyone want to start? Me? <laughs> I've had a very bad string of partners in the last year. I want to change that. If I have a partner, it's not going to, if I have a partner, it's not going to drive away all the thirsty people. They will still be thirsty. But if I have a partner, it's going to pull in the romantic types that I need to push me over the edge. You're very aware of the clout potential. Also, I'm lovable because everyone loves me and I love that, but I'm not sure if I like myself. Sometimes I look in the mirror and just start crying. My exes used to tell me that I'm annoying, moody, and look bipolar when I cry. I want to avoid crying by liking myself fully then I'll love someone else. They'll be nice to me and I can use them for good content. That's a great, clear, and logical goal. 
You should start by talking to yourself like you would to someone you love, Tegan. Oh, that's brilliant. Who's next? I'll go. My career is pretty isolating. I feel a constant need to give others what they need, so they'll give me more attention. I'd love to focus on me. What do I want while still connecting with people? That's perfect. You have new friends to support you and to connect with you. What about you, Shay? I want to be a sponge. Can you unpack that a little? I, I just want to learn and get better. With everything going so fast and really being on my own for the first time in a long time, I don't want to have to depend on anyone else ever again. You're going to be a beautiful sponge. Thank you. Let's take a breath together. Make sure your hands are facing up and you're ready to receive the energy the universe has for you. Throughout our time together, there are two things I want you to keep in mind. Self-care isn't selfish and influencing is how you take your power back. Can I write that down? You'll remember it. I invite everyone to close their eyes, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Isn't that nice? In all my years of practicing true self-care, I'm just beginning to understand that no one can get inner peace by pouncing on it. You may close your, you may open your eyes. I'm so excited to be with you all, but I need to address Paige. My assistant showed me the video that you posted last night. I'm sorry, I have a contract with 2K Sports to promote the game. Did your contract say that you had to use this retreat and your two high-profile roommates to promote their little game? No. Oh. This is a wonderful moment to remind you that you all signed an NDA, and that is not for your protection, but for my protection. I don't want anyone to know where I live. I've had problems with some freaks in the past. I'm so sorry, Charlie. It won't be a problem. Take a moment to delete it now. Go ahead, we'll wait. Paige nervously grabs their phone and quickly deletes the video. Thank you, Paige. I'm so excited to have you here. While you're expected to stay in this cafe, we'll be having daily private sessions in my personal office. If you need anything before that, I'm right across the street. Just knock on my door, okay? Okay. Okay. Hey. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'll see Tegan tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Charlie goes to the door, waves, and leaves. Wow. Wow. Oh. She's incredible. Paige goes to their basket. Tegan sits on their bed. Ariana Grande, huh? About three months ago. Yeah. I was in her, her music video for Thank You Next. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, she's fine, but that's great for you. That's a really incredible foot in the door. How much do you charge for a photo? Of what? Shay awkwardly points to Tegan's feet. I charge 125 per foot per photo. So you have like elite feet then? Everyone has elite feet. We promote our favorite people on the website that highlights big name influencers, but never outs you as a model or anything like that. You're guaranteed like 5,000 followers every other day. 
you could start making money tomorrow. Can I do the request you got before Paige came in? Of course. When Paige leaves again, do you mind showing me what, what we have to work with first? She removes their shoes and to show Tegan. Tegan studies Shay's feet. Did someone drink my kapucha? I'll Venmo you for it. And we're back and have just uh, completed watching a scene that I'm certainly not going to add in at a later point. Um, we yeah, just depending, right on, depending on which one, you get two very different vibes of a play. <laughs> um, but, yeah. um, I, I guess I could have said that in the intro. Uh, um, wow, that I got a very specific vibe from the scene in question that we just watched in real time just now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um no real rap um they're you know speaking from the past of when this episode is being filmed there are two scene options uh <laughs> that we are doing with that we're going to decide on by the publishing of the episode um but i am confident that uh vibes aside each one of them is fantastic because you have been fantastic to talk to and i imagine that that talking translates very well to your writing I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so why don't we unpack a little of that and uh, you can talk about the yeah. gestation of this piece and what kind of led to its creation. Yeah. So my dad started dying. Uh, oh, sorry. My God. Content warning for parental death. Uh, it's quite all right. I will um, let me let me do that. What a bunch of content warnings! <laughs> there's there's a lot. The play also has content warnings for explicit um, cult violence, explicit sex, and ex, uh, torture. So yeah. content warnings there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so my father started a very long process of being um, very unhealthy following a motorcycle accident back in 2018. Um, Towards the end of 2019, when uh, my partner, myself, and my brother were all at my father's house, um, I started seeing some signs that things were not uh, good, like very, very bad. Uh, worse, but I couldn't put a name on it. Um, three days after I left, he ended up in the hospital, and I started writing this play. Um, because at the time, I was looking up. Uh, I, I don't do this ever. But I was like, might as well try. Because at the time, I couldn't afford therapy. So Instagram was the therapy. Um, so I go on a self-help or a self-care thing. And one of the boxes I found, one of the postings was um, a quote. As long as there's hate in the world, as long as there's hate in your heart, there'll be hate in the world. Which is a Charles Manson quote. So this influencer retweeted <laughs> essentially a charles manson quote and then quickly deleted it once it was well, realized that it was charles how manson. quickly i would say let's just say when i went back to look 20 minutes later it won't it wasn't there oh, yeah. so um <laughs> that got my brain sparking that uh-oh because let's be honest like that quote doesn't read culty it means like, oh, come on, peace and love, y'all. Um, yeah. And a lot of a lot these influencers out there like that. No, but I'm saying all these influencers, mm -hmm. sorry, influencers, if you're listening, um, do this. 
not just the not just the flowery language that is uh, secretly cultish or has tinges of these things, um, but their behavior in stories are asking for um, you know like bigger influences like James Charles, Gabby Hanna, yeah. all these folks that are manipulating audiences into engaging with their content, but then yeah. not offering a space for the audience to get closure. There's also name redacted. Um, <laughs> that's pretty popular, uh, popular in like the queer theater circle in New York city that I exclusively found to be quite problematic and mirroring images from these bigger influencers. And I was like, right. This shit needs to stop. So I wrote this play um, as an allegory between uh, cults and social media. And lo and behold, about three months ago, I started hearing about this TikTok cult. I don't know if you've heard about this. I forget what they're no, called. I haven't. But it's in Kentucky. I am, I am on TikTok a lot. Yeah, it's either in yeah, it's either in Kentucky or uh, Tennessee. I forget. Oh, it might be in Tennessee because my partner's right, right there. Um, but it's like this like commune essentially where these groups of people are living, but they've started to promote themselves on TikTok and saying, come on in. And now mm. it's either like, are they a cult that's taking people in or are they um, a shared community space that is a little too lax when it comes to who they invite? And then right. that gets okay. conflated and who really knows the story, right? I'm, t I'm predicting that within the next five to 10 years, a relatively moderate sized social media influencer will form a legitimate cult. Yeah. And like an active cult that like that, I, I believe it just because of the, the, the gaslighting yeah. technique, the, 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 the full definition of the word of like, they are yeah. fully aware of what they're, they're not just amassing a following. They are for sure. Yeah. Um, and Poppy is one of my favorite musical uh, artists. Poppy, for context, uh, used to be like this, like real woman pretending to be an Illuminati created um, <laughs> pop star robot. Um, sounds from Poppy. She, sounds she's the familiar. girl. She's the girl that goes, I'm Poppy. I'm Poppy. I'm Poppy. Like those weird videos where she's talking to plants and a mannequin. Um, she has now made this right. like 180. It is now this like <laughs> metal core um, rock singer who was just nominated for a Grammy. The first woman to be nominated for best metal performance. So her album um, came at a time where I was expressing my uh, trying to figure out gender wise what's going on with me. Right. And I was like, holy crap, this music also creates that chaotic sphere of um, what is it like to go from a delusional world already of pretending to be a person that you're not on social right. media or pretending that it's the real you because you think it is, but it really isn't because right. you're actively thinking about which posts make you look better. Um so that got my head spiraling and of course the cult-like languages that are used, the boundary setting that is often broken, the content warnings that are not actual content warnings because they still go and trigger folks uh, with very explicit yeah. things in the name of being self-care. Um, so all of that yeah. and the fact that like a lot of it mirrors like Manson is just the example that I used, but like, 
how social media is also really masturbatory for ourselves, but like also like yeah. we all look at hot people all the time, right? So there's that sexual energy and what is digital sex versus like um, real sex. So the intimacies of uh, online and real life are crossed. And it's definitely I'm, something I've become, I've yeah. tried to become a little more aware of, especially, with, I mean, the only reason I joined TikTok in the first place was uh, my partner and I were about to direct a production of Moana last summer. Um, and because of the safety protocols uh, of the pandemic, our normal style of choreography would not suffice because it would require interaction and movement. And we were trying to keep that distance. So he had this concept of all viral TikTok dances have to fit within a rectangle because they are all done on the phone. So yeah. he used TikTok dances as the inspiration for, uh, you know, the choreography because you could spread everyone apart, you know, 10 feet at a time and have them all doing some synchronized thing. Um, and then of course it devolved into me following, uh, you know, thirst trap gay couples and cat accounts and things like that. Yeah. And some that are harmless, but knowing that my students are following certain influencers and knowing that they're, you know, they're, they seem pretty confident and pretty, you know, self-aware and pretty safe, but knowing that they are at that stage where they could potentially be taken in by that yeah. kind of influence or that kind of, uh, uh, you know, that kind of, you know, mental gymnastics uh, is, is very troubling for me. It, it's so. terror. It's a, it's a terrifying time. Like for anybody at any state, like literally like we are at this like DEF CON state of like, you have a bad day and you go down the right rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. problems happen and i think i've stumbled into accidental dramaturgical genius i've I've done it again i i've often said that the best parts of my plays are things that actors pick up that they give me so then i can then use in applications so <laughs> what yeah, you're talking about say, the how, how home, often how often does that happen in the rehearsal room all the time I, like, I, oh i get it this is you know this is every, masking his fear of his parents Yep. All yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, that's, that's what I wrote. I mean, I do a traditionally, I do, I intentionally, every draft I write, I read it with actors. I get in a private Zoom or back when it was safe um, with folks in my living room and I lay snacks out. I'm like, let's read this draft of this play. Cause like to me, I, I need to hear it. So right. every single draft, I write. I'm not joking. Like Sway has been read a lot this past year, both in a public sphere, but also like privately as I do drafts. So I would, I, I, not kidding. I probably heard this play like over all these drafts, maybe like 45 times in the last like 18 months. Um, because I've finished a draft, read it. Finish a draft, read it. Finish it, and if I can't get people in the room, send it to five people. Um one of at least one of which has not read any previous draft. So it's like people who've read it up the way people who've been in and out. And then one person who's com coming in blind. Um, and I attribute that. That's why I think 
I'm getting better and better at first drafts is that I know what people want to want to do. That is also interesting to myself. Um, yeah, but the the tangent about uh, accidental genius is you're talking about the rabbit <laughs> hole. The the rabbit hole we all fall yeah. into. Like Shay, the one character in this play, who starts as like the influencer who is like sprung up out of nowhere to be one, falls into the rabbit hole of Charlie and Tegan and Paige throughout the entire play. And then it devolves into, uh, I can't spoil the ending. Let's just say right. there's 16 twists that happen in the last like 10 pages. Um, and each one is a little more weird. And by weird, I mean like shocking. I think I think shocking. I'm gonna say it. <laughs> I think it's shocking, and um, but intentionally so. And uh, that's the big thing I learned with this. This play like really changed my. Uh, I used to write plays and like really want them to be good, um, even if the messaging like I'm not 100 percent sure like what's going on. Um, I'm now learning to be more intentional about what each specific thing means not just have cool things not just have cool things but like this cool thing leads to what like what is that um to be able to name it but then still give the freedom of the actors and directors to figure out an even deeper meaning beyond my intention um so that's chill yeah (laughs) this play is very interesting because like it's like sad that it comes from like a very dark place like i mean i actively could and one of the things with shay is that like we actively confront the um and bo burnham i'm gonna mention bo burnham uh because i have not watched inside yet i really yeah so i i won't i won't try to spoil anything from it however it's a very important piece for me because like it kickstarted a basically there's a piece that i wanted to write in the style that bo put out and that bo put it out so now i look like i am uh copying bow oh, which no. is fine because i have a very different different thing i'm going to do with it it's about me you know and his yeah. journey is different my journey is different a okay so um but Bo talks about this a little bit in a song called white woman's instagram which may be the inspiration for this play starting from a literal white woman's instagram um but there's a moment where um the whole thing I'll spoil this part. It's not really a spoiler. <laughs> um, it's just a thing I think you can appreciate when you watch it. Is that right. that entire song is filmed like it's like a Instagram post as he's doing all the things, yeah. and then there's a post about like I, I'm uh, the character's mom dying, and as the cat as he continues the caption of the photo, the frame pulls out, and it's a more like honest thing like we're pulling out to the full screen i was like don't take the microphone over here we can't hear um (laughs) the full screen so it shows us that it's honest but as soon as it starts pivoting to um feel exploitative it goes back to the square and that's a new wrinkle um that i started using right before i saw inside Uh, so i'm like i'm not copying bo burnham too much (laughs) um but uh, that's also a thing that I realized about myself is I don't post about my dad too often. Um, because after a while, this is just me. Like, it feels like, is it exploitative to talk about a deceased person and why, right? Like, am I doing this for clout? Is this character doing this for clout? 
and I like pl- and I, I'm gonna be honest, I don't like any of the characters in Sway, and I kind of love that. Um, every uh, my friend Ezra Brain, a wonderful playwright as well, um, was like, "All oh, your character, all <laughs> oh, your characters are the most unlikable people, but you find a way to make a story that works." for these people <laughs> to be this way and that we somehow find a way to latch onto them. Which that and, really sets you apart. It's it, That is hard to do. Yeah. It, to make an unlikable character that doesn't make someone just tune out of the yeah. piece. Well, my, my, I, I mean, that's fine. I've met many unlikable people. So the fact that I'm able to bring them in to, uh, <laughs> to the place. Unli- unlikable people yeah. need representation too. Yeah, they do. Bad people, I got you back. Um, no, I don't. Please don't ever <laughs> come to me. But, um, but yeah, I. There's a lot of things to swipe. That's the wow. That's the very broad, big, big, oh, big yeah. strokes of why sway is what it is. Um, yeah. Well, I am incredibly excited to uh, dive into this. Lauren uh, just shared the audio with me this morning. Um, so I, I'm going to take a look at that very soon. Um, and I have a copy of the play as well. So, uh, I am exceptionally excited to dive headfirst into this story and to see where it goes next. Um, cause yeah. it sounds like you have a very, very strong passion for it. And I, yeah. a lot of heart has definitely gone into this. So I'm very happy for you and I'm very happy we got to be a part of this journey. And I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I really appreciate the time. Um, uh, I was lucky to find this opportunity through uh, Julianne, who is on the... Who is uh, the best, right? On the elephant ear team. Um, So I was like, should I submit something? And she's like, do it. And I was like, okay, yeah, why not? Um, And I would never never say... Hello, it's your old friend, Editing Robert. So a uh, kind of unfortunately timed issue happened here. Uh, just as I was complimenting Julianne, my internet connection started to glitch out. And it made the audio and video of me complimenting Julianne completely unusable. So because I don't want to not give her her due, uh, what I said in this corrupted clip was, I would never say this to her face, but she is a wonderful human being who is flawless and amazing in every way. Um, and I maybe the universe heard that and thought maybe he doesn't want her to hear how amazing she is. But uh, I decided I, I do want her to know that. So Julianne, if you are listening, that is what I said when the episode uh, stopped so abruptly. Uh, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. So I hope she watches this episode. Yeah, specifically. (laughs) Just this part. Fast forward to, um, well, before we uh, wind down for the day, um, I always like to throw a little thinker out, throw a fun little theater question. Uh, Most of my theater questions are cocktail party or cocktail themed. Um, I know (laughs) we spoke before uh, that you don't generally partake in those activities. uh, And I totally respect that. So I would like to switch it up a little bit. if you could take feedback, or if, sorry, if you could get feedback on any of your plays from any character from the world of theater, the world of, uh, you know, the yeah. world of plays, 
could be classical, could be modern text, could be anything. Uh, if what if any character from a play could leap from the pages of their script and offer you feedback on a story, who would you want it to be? And if need be, I can very easily cut to a close-up shot of me while you think about it if we need to cut out some time. No, I, I don't know why this person jumps into my brain. Can I do a, a theater ad like a TV Oh, you're bad. No, I know. Go ahead. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. Go ahead. I am the bad boi of theater. Let me. That's gonna be my new brand. No, I'm just kidding. Um, is, boy, is boy gender neutral? Because I boy, boy with an I, I think. Boom. You that know, like skater, a lot. Like skater, a like lot Avril, of my problems. Yeah, the Avril skater boy could yeah. be like yeah, sure. The pronouns of the song are he, but anybody could be a skater boy. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. It, it it's whatever um <laughs> theater this i don't know why this is the first person that jumped in my brain but like i'm gonna roll with it because it kind of makes sense uh would be number seven from the wolves um okay <laughs> which i'm not 100 percent sure uh, you know i am sure why i i like to write <laughs> um i like to write for young femme characters um because i mean i wish i presented more femme like i think that's a very thing that i'm processing and working through that's one of the pieces i'm working on right now um but like number seven's like a, a, not the problematic aspects of number seven i i hope to stay at home uh get unlearned um but like the ability to dissect exactly what um she's thinking is very intriguing and uh, probably would love for her to be at one of my other plays. Um, in the theater and the TV world, this will be weird too. Um, Starlight from The Boys. If you've watched The Boys on Amazon. I haven't yet, and I know I need fan. to. That and um, um, Invincible are yeah. high up on my list. Of uh, I feel Prime. like the character of Starlight is a character that I would very much love to write more of. Um, like a person who's actively trying to do good in a yeah. sea of bullshit. Um, I don't think I've ever been able to like figure out how to write that way. Uh, write a character like that. Um, it just seems like a sweet person. It would probably give me really nice uh, uh, dramaturgical advice. About how to play. So <laughs> I don't know, like maybe that uh, also feels good. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Does I, that answer? Did I answer the question? It, it answers. It answers the question okay. tremendously. And I always love, right when there are very unique and uh, off the wall uh, answers to these questions, because many of them I come up with on the fly. So I am, that one was, a, that was the first, that was a new one. <laughs> you knocked it out of the park. Um, well, SMJ, thank you so, so much for uh, coming on and chatting with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, and for everybody else, uh, currently our play submissions are closed, but we will be opening them up soon. Uh, so if you have not done so already, uh, please follow Elephant Room Productions on social media. We are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, um, or you can find more information about us at elephantroomproductions.com. Um, but until then, thank you so much for listening and or watching The Trumpet. And until next time, I am Robert Jean Pileccio, signing off.